0: This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Molecule, the world's first molecular air purifier that reduces symptoms for allergy and asthma sufferers. For $75 off your first order, visit molekule.com and enter the promo code FOOL75. Welcome to Industry Focus, a podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It is Friday, January 25th, we're talking about the big bad Apple supplier that's grabbing headlines. I'm your host Dylan Lewis, and I'm joined on Skype by Fool.com's Evan New. Evan, what's up? Not much. Getting ready for earnings season. Earnings season, one of our favorite four times of the year. It's so (laughs) nice that we get it quarterly instead of once a year like some of the winter holidays, huh?
1: Yeah, it's about to start getting pretty busy.
0: And actually, Qualcomm, the company that we're going to be talking about today, should be reporting, I believe, in the next week, week and a half or so. Um, But there's been plenty of news ahead of this earnings release, and that's what we're going to be spending a lot of our time talking about today.
1: Yeah, they've been uh, at trial all month with the FTC. So It's a pretty big trial, a lot of interesting information coming out, a lot of salacious headlines.
0: Before we get into that news, um, this is a company that we've discussed plenty on the show, but typically when we've done it, We've talked about it because they are an Apple supplier, and almost all those conversations have kind of funneled up into a larger conversation about Apple. Uh, Today, we're going to focus specifically on Qualcomm, because there's a lot going on with this company, and I think the the state of this business could really change uh, in the next year or so, depending on how some upcoming decisions go. Uh, Before we do all that, though, why don't we do a little rundown on who they are, what they do, because I'm sure there's some people that maybe know the name and not much else, Evan right
1: so as a quick primer and a qualcomm has been one of the big pioneers with cellular technology uh, they develop all these connectivity solutions you know for example 3g was a big one for them for cdma uh, but also 4g lte and you know all these cellular standards they have a big part in developing the technology they license those patents out and they also sell chips predominantly modems that help these cell phones connect to cellular networks just about every cell phone in the world has some level of Qualcomm technology inside, in which case they earn a royalty on it. So they have a very unique business model that gives them incredible power in the cellular industries. Uh, They have this uh, very controversial policy called No License, No Chips that has only strengthened their market power. They basically would not sell you chips unless you agreed to a licensing agreement, which typically had really onerous terms, really high royalty rates, Uh, and they have all this necessary intellectual property known as standards, essential patents, uh, and they also make the best modems. So if you're a smartphone maker, you really don't have much of a choice other than to do business with. Both sides of this company, and if you have if you have standard essential patents, you're obligated to license them out at fair, reasonable, and non-discriminatory terms. But they're not doing that, uh, you know, and that's kind of at the heart of a lot of these legal challenges. Uh, and they also charge the royalties that are uh, based on a percentage of the smartphone's total price. Uh, and they're not the only one that does that, but that's also another kind of controversial aspect of this business.
0: So, you threw out a couple different terms there that I think we will probably loop back to at different points in the show. Uh, I just want to explain those acronyms quick that we'll be using later. Standards, essential patents, like you said, uh, these, this is IP that is related to a standard that has been set. And so, this is the stuff that Qualcomm holds and winds up licensing out to other companies. Uh, the fair and reasonable and also non discriminatory is also known as FRAND. Uh, so, you might hear us refer to it that way. But basically, if you have a technology that is adopted as the quote unquote uh, standard for an industry you need to make it available to people that participate in that industry because the standard has to apply at a somewhat reasonable price for all of the players that are participating
1: right and that yeah you know, the idea is that you don't want like, one company to be able to kind of have a lock hold on the entire industry if they if they need your intellectual property and you just refuse to license it you could bring the entire industry to
0: a halt <laughs> and without this type of dynamic there wouldn't be much of an incentive for a standard to be set at all because by doing that, you'd be creating these de facto monopolies.
1: Right. And there's also a lot of debate over how essential these patents are to these standards because you know, it's kind of like a self proclaiming thing. Like Qualcomm says these are necessary, but there's not really some, you know actual body that says, that agrees and validates that these are indeed necessary. So, there, that's a whole other debate, too. We don't, we don't have time for that.
0: <laughs> that's all to say, though, the reason we're having this conversation is because Qualcomm's business approach and everything that they provide to the smartphone industry has become so indispensable for so many of these businesses. Um, this business model, though, has caused the company to come under a lot of scrutiny lately because of the standard essential patent and Fran dynamic in particular.
1: Right. I mean, regulators all around the world have been filing complaints and lawsuits against Qualcomm for over a decade. I mean, I think it starts back in 2007 or somewhere around that time frame in the European Union and then in the, in the years since, I mean, Japan, China, South Korea, and now the U.S. I mean, China hit Qualcomm with a billion dollar fine in 2015. South Korea did. $850 million in 2016. So, I mean, th- those are the kind of precursors to the current battles that is that Qualcomm's having with Apple and the U.S. Federal Trade Commission. Uh, both of those complaints were filed simultaneously, but separately, two years ago in January 2017. So, th- this stuff's been going on for a long time. And Apple was always a major customer. And I mean, it's not every day that you, s- you hear of an Apple supplier that can bring Apple to its knees, which is exactly what Qualcomm did for many years. Typically, the the power dynamic is the opposite. You know, Apple kind of has all the power usually with most of its supplier relationships. But because it has no choice but to work with Qualcomm and pay these royalties that it has now called, you know, quote-unquote extortion level and exorbitant, Uh, and out of desperation for royalty relief, they have agreed to all these terms and contracts with Qualcomm, including exclusivity with buying only modems for them for a period of time in exchange for rebates that kind of reduced how much they had to pay overall. But
0: it's it's just been a big mess. And listeners might remember Uh, in a past episode when we were talking about some recent Apple woes, that they had uh, sales of certain iPhones blocked in certain markets in Europe. That is all related to this dispute that we're talking about here. The scope for Qualcomm, though, could really get quite a bit larger, uh, because what we're seeing with Apple is what we're seeing really with their entire uh, distribution relationship and all of the people that they supply to, uh, because it is a core business model discussion. It's not just the relationship with one supplier.
1: Right and you know so as far as the FTC trial is concerned which is what's been playing out all month I mean the FTC has presented a really strong case that Qualcomm's behavior has really undermined competition in the in the cellular industry and in the modem markets and you know the the whole point is to prove that they hurt competition and hurt markets and therefore consumers and of course Qualcomm has its experts testified that they did not hurt competition. So, I mean, that's what's kind of up in the air. The case is set to conclude next um, week, but then, of course, the judge will probably take some time to really put together a a decision. But, I mean, there's a lot going on, and the FTC basically wants Qualcomm to license this technology at reasonable rates, which could have drastic impacts on its business, as well as to really kind of drop this whole no license, no chips policy that's been so controversial.
0: And to give a sense of how this plays out with the supplier relationships they have, you know, we got some testimony from Apple COO Jeff Williams in this case, and he's saying that Apple pays about seven fifty per device after rebates, which is about five times the dollar fifty per device that initially thought that the company initially thought was a fair rate for the components that they were getting. So you can imagine that not only is that something that apple feels but industry wide if everyone's paying that that is something that probably gets passed along to consumers at some point
1: right and if you apply it to apple unit volumes uh, if you look you know look at how many you know, iPhones they were selling on an annual basis, uh, and you know, apply that 750. So in 2011, that means they were paying somewhere about 465 million dollars a year to Qualcomm. But as Apple's business grew and the iPhone units grew, that climbed to about 1.1 billion in 2015 and 2016. And it's also worth noting that Williams said in 2013, when the two companies were trying to renegotiate a contract, Qualcomm wanted to add another eight to ten dollars per device on top of that 750, which would more than double its royalties. So, that's an extra billion dollars a year um, when Apple already felt it was overpaying. So,
0: (laughs) you can see Apple's not very happy about
1: this whole situation.
0: And I'm sure they're not the only one. Uh, With some of the details of the FTC case out of the way, we're going to talk about how this might impact Qualcomm's financials. We're going to do that over on the back half of the show and talk a little bit about how that might impact the stock and what the outlook looks like for the next year or two. Before we get over to that discussion, though. This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Molecule. Molecule is the world's first molecular air purifier that reduces symptoms for allergy and asthma sufferers. The company has introduced a breakthrough science that is finally capable of destroying air pollutants at a molecular level. Molecule replaces 50 years of antiquated technology. The HEPA filter technology that's been used to clean your air was developed in the 1940s, and there haven't been any major innovations since. Now, Molecule's PECO technology, goes beyond the HEPA filter system to both capture and eliminate allergens, mold, bacteria, viruses, and airborne chemicals. That includes pollutants a thousand times smaller than what the HEPA filters can catch. Molecule makes a real difference for asthma and allergy sufferers, and it helps them better cope with their conditions and significantly reduce their symptoms. One customer has reportedly said that after using Molecule in her home, she was quote able to breathe through her nose for the first time in 15 years. The company's technology has been funded by the EPA, extensively tested by real people, and verified by third parties in university labs like the University of South Florida Center for Biological Defense and University of Minnesota's Particle Calibration Laboratory. The products are easy to use, have a clean and sleek design, from the materials on the device, like its sleek aluminum shell, to the filter subscription service, where filters regularly arrive on your doorstep when you need them. The company dropped off a couple models for us to check out, and the Fool analysts were all over them. I think Jim Mueller from our investing team wound up buying a couple after having it home for one night, so he was clearly convinced that it was worth the time. Listeners, you can get $75 off your first order. Visit molekul and enter the promo code FOOL75. That's M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com and promo code FOOL75. Alright, Evan, when you look at how Qualcomm's top line works, the licensing segment, which is QTL, that's how they refer to it, doesn't really seem like that much money, but you need to think about the margins for these different businesses that they have because we're talking about something that is really the breadwinner for this overall business.
1: Right. I mean, it's super high margin because they're just licensing their technology, whereas on the chip side, of course, you know it's a hardware business, so you know inevitably you're going to have much lower margins there. But the, you know the two sides of this company go you know very well together as we've seen over the past decade.
0: Yeah, so I think the actual numbers, um, the licensing business does currently about a billion in revenue per quarter. You go back over the past 12 months, Qualcomm has done about $23 in sales. So, licensing looks like a drop in the bucket. You look at the margins, though, licensing I think is near a 60% uh, earnings before taxes margin. The other side of the business uh, makes much more revenue, but has an EBT margin in the high teens. So, anything that will impact this part of the business will have an outsized impact on the financials for this company,
1: right? And the licensing business has been under you know a lot of pressure over the past couple of years, in part because of these legal challenges. Uh, for example, licensing revenue total in fiscal 2018 is about 5.2 billion, um, but that's down from 6.4 in 17, 2017 and then 7.7 in fiscal 2016. So, I mean, that business has been under a lot of pressure. They've been trying to make concessions uh, to try to kind of appease all these people that are upset with how they do business. So, for example, in, in late 2017, they reduced the percentage rate that they're asking. In early 2018, they also lowered the cap of the value of the handsets that they charge, you know, since they charge based on the total value of the phone, but they cap it, uh, and they lowered that cap from 500 to 400 So, they're trying to make these concessions to kind of uh, appease these people that are upset, uh, and that's also weighing on the business.
0: And it seems like the market is starting to take notice of the fact that this is a pretty big risk for this business. Uh, I think earlier this week we saw an official short note out from Caristel Capital about this company. and really it was tied to the fact that they didn't think that this business model was sustainable, and they were worried about what this company might look like if they're not able to charge the current margins that they are on a lot of their products.
1: Right. I mean, Caristel is pretty, pretty damning in, in their estimates. Uh, they argue that Qualcomm is only worth $21 a share if they lose all of these battles. Uh, and you know they estimate that they would be losing out on you know, $2.7 billion of licensing revenue compared to their fiscal 2018. Uh, but that's over half of revenue uh, in that business for the last fiscal year. So, that's a massive cut. So, they're, they're predicting the stock's going to fall by 60% in um, assuming that they're going to lose these battles, and that's why they have a short position.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, if even if you're not predicting a huge haircut for this stock, you look at the type of company that this has been over the last couple of years. I mean, this business has bought back a ton of stock. Uh, they pay a pretty solid dividend. I think it's about five percent yield right now. It's hard for me to imagine that those types of policies, that type of capital allocation program, is going to continue if they aren't able to command the same premiums on their stuff that they have in the past.
1: I definitely agree. I mean, they've generally been pr- pretty good about capital returns historically, and uh, they did a massive thirty billion dollar buyback last year after the um, NXP deal fell apart. Uh, but in general, you know, they've been, have been increasing these dividends very regularly. Uh, but yeah, the sustainability of that dividend will be seriously called into question if they lose these legal battles. I mean. You know, the, if you look at their adjusted earnings per share last year, they did about $3.69, and I think they paid out $2.38 in dividends. So, the payout ratio is about 65%, which theoretically you, you know, that kind of says that maybe they have some room, some wiggle room. But if you look at free cash flow, um, which is what pays dividends, free cash flow last fiscal year was $3.1 billion. Dividend payments were $3.5 billion. So, they paid out more in dividends than they brought in in free cash flow, and that's not a good sign.
0: No, it's not what you want to see from a dividend payer. Um, I look at all of this, and you know, some people might see a big decision like this and think, oh, there might be some upside potential for this stock, um, possibly a chance to buy before we see something that could meaningfully change the thesis, try to get ahead of that news. I don't want any part of this business anytime soon, Evan
1: i actually sold back in 2015 and I, right it was, turned out to be a good time <laughs> um you know obviously i didn't know that this relationship with apple was going to implode so spectacularly but you know at the same time there were a lot of risks around uh, customer concentration you know apple's the biggest modem customer by far and it's been pretty obvious that they've been developing their own modem for a few years even though it could be still more years before they're ready to actually ship their own modem um but you know on top of that you know they have massive debt load. They've been trying to pay down their debt. Um, right now it's about sixteen billion in total term debt. That's down from twenty two billion from fiscal twenty seventeen. But even with the debt currently, I mean interest expense last year, it was more than operating income. So that's another sign that these financials are deteriorating. I mean, they paid seven hundred and seventy million in interest last year, but they only generated seven hundred and forty million in operating income. So over time, you know, they're already at this precarious position, and as we've mentioned, these if these these legal battles go against them, it's just going to get a lot worse.
0: And I think as an investor, you want things that are relatively easy and relatively simple to predict. Uh, this reminds me a bit; it's not quite on par with the binary outcomes that you see in the biotech space and the healthcare space, but this is maybe as close as we get in the tech world where. One decision will very meaningfully impact the trajectory of a business for the next year or two, and in this case, you know, I don't want to have to pay to have a seat to watch that happen. I, I'd rather just watch from the sidelines and see, because you know, this could be something that really changes the dynamic of this business and what they're able to do uh, in terms of rewarding shareholders, and also, you know, just what they're going to have on, in terms of cash on hand to be able to plow into R and D and anything else that they want to do over the next couple of years.
1: I agree. I mean, there's just so many risks facing Qualcomm right now, and I'm very glad to not be in it. I I'd rather just I'll be with you on the sidelines watching (laughs) them. Uh, And I mean, right now it seems like most experts feel like the FTC has a pretty strong case, and the federal judge Lucy Koh, who's you know handles a lot of these kind of high profile tech cases, already issued a preliminary ruling last year, uh, tentatively siding with the FTC and saying yes, Qualcomm should. Changes licensing practices. Of course, that's not a finalized decision, but I think there's indications that it's not going to go in Qualcomm's favor.
0: Yeah, and it's not necessarily that we're going to go back to a period of you know them basically wiping this business segment. It might be that it's more reasonable. But even at that, if this is the engine that's driving this company, and any element of it is taking a haircut, it's going to be problematic for investors.
1: And it also has implications for other players. I mean, there are something like ten or twelve companies that similar to Qualcomm in the sense that they develop these standard essential patents for the cellular industry and then license them out. And all, almost all of them do charge based on the total price of the smartphone. So if that practice gets kind of shot down, that actually has implications for a bunch of other companies like Nokia, Ericsson, a bunch of other players too. So this this is going to be a pretty big trial that will have a lot of impact on the industry.
0: For people that are following this story, we should have an update when, Evan? Well, when are they going to be actually releasing a decision?
1: I don't know if they've set a timeline for that. I know the, the trial is supposed to conclude next week but then the, it's this is a judge the judge is going to make a call it's not a jury trial uh, so the judge will you know Lucy Coe will have to take some time to form her opinion because you know those opinions are, tend to be super long and detailed and she'll have to have a lot of really good rationale for her decisions. I, I don't know exactly how long to expect on that, but it's going to be a big one whenever it drops.
0: Yeah, so We'll have some update on the business when they report earnings, but a far more important update on the business whenever that decision is finalized and we get a sense of what this company will look like over the next couple of years. Evan, thanks for hopping on and talking about it with me. Thanks for having me. Listeners, that does it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or you want to reach out and say hey, you can shoot us an email over at industryfocus@fool.com or you can tweet us at MF Industry Focus. If you want more of our stuff, subscribe on iTunes, or you can check out all of our videos from this podcast over on our YouTube channel. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin Morgan for all his work behind the glass. For Evan New, I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening and Fool on!